Hey, this is Randall King, and while your life is spinning like a haggard record, you should make sure to listen to the Gaining Fast on Memphis podcast with my boy Aaron Schreiber. Welcome to the Gaining Fast on Memphis podcast with Aaron Shriver, brought to you by Arlo Revolution. Each week, Aaron connects melodies and memories with fans and artists from all genres of life. When all else in life is gone, only music will be left to leave the legacy of life's adventures. Please welcome your host for the Gaining Fast on Memphis podcast, Aaron Shriver. So welcome to Season 4 of the Gaining Fast on Memphis podcast. Each week we connect melodies and memories with fans, artists, and passionate-driven individuals in and around the music community. I'm your host, Aaron Shriver. Tonight we are presented by our good friends at Arlo Revolution, cinematic wedding films, music videos, and promos. You can find them at arlorevolution.com. And our on-screen sponsors tonight, Art on a Higher Wire by Joel. Original custom artwork inspired by your life moments, treasured photos, and memories. You can find her all over Facebook. And then Corey Oliphant and the Original Church Choir. It's amazing to have him uh, as a sponsor every single week. So I just love to have him. But yeah, we thank all of our sponsors for the continued support and growth of the show. If you are looking for ways to support the show, the heart of our Patreon. I'm trying to go quick, but skipping over my stuff. The heart of our show tonight is our Patreon page. We talk about it every week. Tier started just $1. We still do have a couple of spots that you can advertise with us. And I did see something kind of cool, which might happen this season. We're coming on like close to a million streams or million views on Facebook, which is kind of insane. So I'm going to do the numbers. I think we're a little over 900,000, but just incredible. Um, So thank you guys every week for what you guys continue to do with this show, just to see it, how fast it's been growing. But, uh, if Patreon is something you guys cannot do, like I said, with uh, like, share, review, and subscribe anywhere you guys listen to the show. iPhone users, five-star reviews if you can on those Apple Podcast apps. Really help out a lot. We did break the top, what, 30, I think, last week So uh, on the music interview charts. So that was amazing. But uh, if you are listening to this on any of the streaming platforms on any day other than Tuesday, remember, join us live every Tuesday We can, if you can. Facebook and YouTube, you can interact with each week's guest. It's always a good time when you can join us live. So if you are a member of our Patreon, we do have this month, um, like I said, I am going to add one more item to this, but we do have our Revival and our Randall King little prize packages. And then I'm going to add a little, we'll see. It's going to come in this week. This We'll see what I'm going to be adding. But it will be Eric Church, Heart and Soul related since that is the recent release. So... Yeah, like I said, plus a few other goodies. So we will be announcing the other goodies soon. Um, got some really big stuff coming up. I cannot wait to announce. Let's see. I think that's all. Oh, yeah, I did have a happy 422 to everybody that's out there. I wanted to say that. I had an image. I couldn't find it. I was looking for it. So whatever. We don't need it. <laughs> but anybody out there celebrating today, uh, yeah, it's a good day. It's been a busy day for me. I had to work today. You know, if I... If you guys follow along, you guys know where I work. It's always a fun day there, but 420 is 10 times better. We had a little steel drummer, some food trucks. It's a good day today, So, but the night's going to be better. So tonight, on a special 420 episode, we're going to welcome in producer, engineer, and artist, Dill Matthews. I mean, this guy is a man of many hats. So the Nashville native has, has not slowed down since he was 16. Music runs in his veins, and the talent he has set... Talent he has sets the bar high for others. Working with acts like Jelly Roll, Ryan Nelson, Yellow Wolf, and Muscadine Bloodline, it's his own music that comes from the boneyard that he pr- prides himself on. So we're going to go ahead and welcome Syl Matthews in tonight. How you doing, buddy? 
Dude, I'm living the dream. How are you? Hell yeah, dude. Oh, I'm great, dude. It's been a good day so far. Heck yeah. I'm happy to celebrate the holiday with you. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So yeah, welcome <laughs> on to the show, dude. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one because I've always done a lot of like country singer songwriters and you got your hand in a lot of different genres and a lot of different areas. And this is why I love just like kind of was researching for the show. Just find a little nick, nooks and crannies about you, man. But I want to throw it all the way back like I always do with everybody in your earliest music memory, man. When you were growing up, I mean, what were you what were you getting into and how young? So, like, probably I remember getting, you know, my first, like, home CD player. Like, that was the cool thing. So, I was probably, like, nine years old. And uh, I ended up getting a couple records and like all over the map. So there was like three records that were the ones. And it was like uh, a Radiohead OK Computer record. I got uh, Nirvana's MTV Unplugged in New York album. And I got uh, this band called The Crystal Method. And it was their Vegas record. Dude, yeah. So So where were you born first? So born in Germany, my dad was a, a army veteran, uh, did oh, 26 years in the service. And then his, uh, his dad was like a general and 30 something years in the service. So like I was the first, me and my brother were the first two to kind of break the mold and not Dude. do the service thing. So like, but he was born out in California and I was born out in Germany. And so like we ended up, you know, there for a little bit, then Atlanta and then Chattanooga is where I kind of like spent 13 years which i used to be able to say is the longest i've been in a place until you know nashville recently i've been here 17 years now so so what year were you born though 87 okay i was wondering because when you were dropping those like the poly and the crystal method i was like dude i was born in 82 so i was like we had to be close (laughs) yeah that's why i was listening to man my brother's 84 baby so like when you have an older brother you're always like listening to what they're listening to because that's cool right so like yeah. Bad Nirvana acoustic, man, with Polly and man, everything else. I remember watching that on MTV back in the day. That was when MTV actually played music still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that record, like, the Green Day Dookie record, oh, man, like, I just dude. remember, like, the the Blue Weezer album. <laughs> you know, like. My first cassette like, tape I ever had was Soul Asylum, Runaway Train. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'll never forget that, too. So, all right, man. But yeah, well, geez, man, growing up in Germany too, or being born in Germany, that's where I actually, I just did the whole uh, ancestry thing. I we tra- traced my family all the way back to a little town in Germany. So that's pretty badass, dude. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always wanted to go over there and check that out. But um, so when you're growing up, of course, when you get to high school and everything, you probably, whatever music you're listening to, I, I saw a note where you kind of just wanted to do music full time and what really kind of got you into that. Um, to the point to kind of where you left home and left school to kind of just pursue everything. Yeah. So like probably about like sixth grade, I'd like fiddled around with piano early in life. Cause like my grandma played piano and stuff. So like she would always show me stuff when she was in town or I was there cause they had this big baby grand piano. And I was like, okay, this is cool. You know? So I'd like fiddled around. And then in like sixth grade, like I had to like take music as an elective. And so, like, I learned uh, uh, saxophone, right? So, like, that's what I played first. And, dude, I just got, like, super into it, right? And so that was kind of where I started. And, like, I just, like, studied jazz. I studied guys like Dave Brubeck, you know, like, guys like Charlie Parker, you know, guys like, you know, Miles Davis, like, and just really, like, got into that. 
And then, you know, the other instrument that I picked up in like seventh grade was like bass. So I was like, okay, heck yeah. Like I loved punk music. I loved like early, like grunge rock, you know, like that was kind of my thing. So I was like, okay, well I can play bass. And then I think just like playing saxophone, I kind of developed an ear for melodies um, and just being so into jazz. Like I would, I would practice improv a lot. So you're just like having to write melodies on the fly. So I was like really studying the way that chords worked and like how to get in and out and like when to hit what. And so like, I think like naturally when I started like writing songs, I would just like in my head play saxophone and like, okay, well, here's the melody I'd play on a horn. Like, why couldn't I sing that? And I think it's what kind of has like created a unique writing style that I have. That's probably a little bit different. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, my wife and I, when we went down Nashville this past weekend on the way back, I'm like, I'm just going to dig into everything I could find on this guy, on iTunes and everything. Dude, we were, it was awesome, dude. What was yeah. Which one were you singing back over? Oh, Gemini. <laughs> yeah, she liked that one, dude. That was, that was a nice one. I was yeah, enjoying Gem- that. <laughs> Gemini's cool. We just dropped the animated video dude, for Gemini recently, too. That was so too. badass, too. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a lot of animated videos coming up. So that's like what I've been kind of like the other side of the creative and yeah. how I could uniquely like position myself it's like okay well yeah i'm a little bit older of a guy being you know born in 87 so i was yeah. like okay well cool animation never dies you know yeah. like who know who knows what the dudes and the gorillas look like dude right and it was always cool i mean i mean animation you know, I, was born like uh, kind of like where i was born just watching all that stuff and especially where i went yeah. to with the gorillas dude and seeing that yeah and we were old enough to grow up with saturday morning cartoons yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. right <laughs> exactly like Kids these days, they miss the Saturday yeah. morning cartoons, man. Unless they get it on their cell phone after, I don't know, but they, they won't get it anymore. YouTube. So, yeah. Because <laughs> even now, I mean, our kids are watching YouTubers. They don't watch cartoons much. Mm-mm. It's not it's not the same thing anymore. Mm. So it's just like, it's it's cool to like, I grew up like in like such a cartoon, like comic book. I collected baseball cards. Like I was always a thing, like collector guy, you know, like if it was collectible, I kind of like got into it. So yeah. I still have the whole, I still, look behind me. <laughs> So I'm still like that. I get into some football cards and baseball cards every now and then too. So, which I love. Um, it's cool. Um, so back then when you were collecting all this stuff, what was that kind of like, if you, did you have a prized possession or anything that you just kind of cherished? Uh, probably that the, the first saxophone I had, like, like I like convinced my dad I was going to be good at this. I don't know how. Like, I think it's like my dad was always a military guy, right? So he's like a tough nut to crack sometimes. So I had to like always have a pitch and an angle and like how I was going to use this in life for him to like really buy into the, to the idea, you know, from his, from his kids. So like, I think that was really, you know, you know, it, like, I just was like, dad, give me the saxophone. And like, he got it for me and I was like, okay, well, I got to be good at this. Or like, I'm going to like. Yeah. <laughs> upset him so like i just like and it's i think he regretted it instantly because like anytime <laughs> someone gets a horn it's yeah. a loud instrument and when you're not good at it it's tough to like tolerate someone practicing so he, he, he'd tell a different story now i thought i was amazing in the seventh grade <laughs> but like he'd probably tell you it was about like ninth grade when he figured out okay my kids are talented at this so Hell like yeah. he, he's gonna be okay you know it took two years of having to listen to that damn thing through football games but like i'm here now you know <laughs> yeah, that's awesome what was your dad listening to when you were younger kind of like when you're growing up Dude, you- classic rock i mean he's like eagles hotel nice. california album um you know, Dire Straits. Hell yeah, dude. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, you know, like so. Grew up on like Aerosmith, a lot of Dude. a lot of classic rock. So, yeah. Zeppelin, Scanner, you know. Uh, that Super was Tramp was one mind. <laughs> I was a huge yes. super tramp guy, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then mom was like, she was more like contemporary pop. Like, okay. I think she would like, I like, I remember riding in the car with her and having to listen to like Nora Jones or like uh, John Mayer, which was like, cool. It was like good to get that different flavor from each side of, of my parents. Cause they definitely had two completely different music tastes. Yeah. Oh, dude. And that's awesome because that, that opens you up to so much. So when you got to being the age of 16, uh, I, I read that you dropped out of school and ran away. What made you, I mean, other than music, what like kind of directs you? And if you would have stayed and not left at 16, do you think you'd be as far as you are in life with music? Or do you think you would have been on a different path? I'd undoubtedly be on a different path. There's no way I'd be here. It was kind of like, I just had this stern in my soul. There was a bunch of life shit that just like happened, yeah. you know, like I was just going through stuff. Like mm -hmm. my grandparents had died and they were super close to me. My brother had just gotten arrested. Um, you know, like my parents got divorced and I was just like, you know what? Like I, I didn't feel like I was like even being challenged in school. And then me being like an internet kid, like I grew up on the internet, like research and stuff. And so like I found how you could get early admission into MTSU. And so I just like went in, I dropped out of high school. I just like moved in with my dad in Lebanon and was like, yo, dude, I think I'm going to try and figure something out. And he was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What's your plan? Like school starts in two weeks. And I was like, I got this plan, right? Like I can get a GD and I can actually go to MTSU like whenever I feel like it's time for me to start college or whatever. And he was like, okay, I'm with it. And so uh, it's another one of those things where I just, I don't know. He like, he just like trusted me because I always yeah. came to him with a plan and it, he hadn't seen it fail yet. So he was like, all right, you know what? I'll let him run. You know, like worst case scenario, I'll put him back in high school, you know, like whatever. Yeah. And so, like, it just worked. Like, it worked. And then, so, like, my cousin was a rapper in Lebanon. And so, like, he was this older influence. And I recorded my first punk band, I think, like, my freshman year of high school. I built this computer. I had a computer doll. Like, the recording sucked. Like, digital recording was not what it is today. But, like, so I'd been recording music. And then, like, I moved to Lebanon. And my cousin's a super talented rapper. And I can kind of make beats on this keyboard. And like, I knew how to like kind of work a doll or whatever to record him. And so like, we just started making CDs and mixtapes and like, just trying to sell them. And, you know, it was like the MySpace time. So like 2002, 2003 ish. Yeah. So like, I'm like selling hand copies of my cousin's records that we've made in my house, like for oh, 10 yeah. bucks a piece. And like, I would jump on MySpace and be like, yo, Wilson Central High School, three o'clock. I'm going to be in your parking lot in a gold Cadillac with two twelves. And I would just pull up in my Cadillac, banging the records and just sit there and take people's lunch money. Just like <laughs> no sweat. And they're, they're just like, who, who is this famous recording artist? Like, like how's the pitch? And like, since I was young, I like could fit in. Like nobody didn't think I was in high school because I was a 16 year old kid. Yeah. And my cousin was probably like 23 at the time. So like, we kind of just got this little local buzz. And then uh, he developed this rivalry and dude, this guy murdered one of our fans on the square eleven in. And so like it kind of like scared me straight to be like, Jeez. okay, like my plan coming here was to go to college. So like 
I picked out MTSU because they had a recording industry program and like, I just got in, I did the, the GD and just like enrolled and like started actually when I was 17. So it like worked out way better because I'm in college a year or two years earlier than I should have been. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, so like, for me, it like, I don't know. I just like rolled the dice and like it worked a lot. <laughs> You got you yeah. got one of those lucky rolls every now and then. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No, my, it wasn't lucky. You worked, like, man. You worked for it. Yeah, my brother's the exact opposite. They're like he had a lot of these dice rolls, and they just didn't come yeah. up winners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you still. I mean, you create your own luck at times. I mean, you definitely you yeah. you you worked your ass off. Dude. You proves it. I mean, just yeah. with everything else, you you saw the dream at sixteen. And you ran and you chased it, dude, and you didn't yeah. stop. You still haven't stopped. Like I, I mean, I said, you're still working your ass off doing it. And the accomplishments yeah. you've had is huge. Um, if people haven't dug into this guy or have really met still Matthews yet, um, stage name, you also go by Matt Wallace. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. mention that. But you've worked with Jelly Roll, Muscadine, Bella Lime, Yellow Wolf, uh, Ryan Nelson, which is a former uh, guest of the show, Struggle Jennings. Of all the people you worked with, who has been the most pain in your ass? <laughs> I guess got that. Did one hundred percent musket on blow by? <laughs> I was going to say I thought you were going to say Nelson, but <laughs> no, one hundred percent. But it, it's it's not any fault of their own. It's it's a duo problem. Yeah, you just yeah. have to balance two personalities. Yep, and that's that's a different bear to juggle than just one guy. Like when you just have one human to work with, it's easy to get them on 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 all on the same page. But when you've got to juggle. Gary and Charlie and they might have different thoughts or different ideas. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well we can only really execute one of the ideas well. So like we kind of got to figure that out. So I think it's just by virtue of them being a duo, it's, it's nothing to their personality or anything. Yeah, exactly. Duos are tough. Yeah. You know? Did I see you worked with uh, Jordan Fletcher too somewhere? Yeah. 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 So yeah, I managed yeah. Jordan for, for a while. And then like I was managing these guys and then really just jelly's like career trajectory went from like, zero to a hundred yeah. and like we just i like had to just like be like guys like i've got to like do this like mm -hmm. this is where i really need to focus my energy and plus like jelly's message and his music is like what i believe in and it's like an easier thing to sell like i didn't grow up listening to country music you'll see yeah. like of all those things i listed not many of them were even country related so like i grew up like listening to this stuff and like jelly's just message and how it speaks to mental health and like addiction and suicide and like the topics that he talks yeah. are just like it's just like I get the messages in the inbox, you know, the, about him saving lives. Jeez. And that to me is worth way more than I could ever accomplish in the country space. Just seeing that what he's branched. I mean, we could dig into him with the work you've done with him in a little bit. But like my father is like, oh, I'm going to be 75 soon. And he came to me and was like, dude, have you heard of this guy? Jelly Roll, the song Save Me. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was just like. And to see like the, the the generations he could just reach out to is just amazing. But yeah, so you're well, mentioning. You, oh, go ahead. You look at Jelly and it's like unfiltered authenticity. You're mm, like, yeah. no, this guy this guy needed someone to save him at some point yeah. in his life. Like, yeah, he's not singing a song just to sing a song. He's singing a song because like that was like real. He lives to it. Him. So, yeah, he lives. Yeah, it, so I, I think that's what why, why he's able to connect. He's just so charismatic with his just like tenacity and it oh, yeah. is energy it's just like it's an awesome thing to just watch and touch people like it's the craziest thing because like we'll be in the most unsuspecting uh, unsuspecting place 
And he's the guy that like hears an old lady like sneeze across the room and he like yells, bless you and waves, <laughs> you know, like six tables over. And you're like, what? This is incredible. And when, when you look at him, you'd be almost intimidated by the guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's every bit of 400 and something yeah. pounds and six two, and, you know, like just big body built guy. Like, you know, he, he's not the kind of guy you'd be like, oh, yeah, he's going to be super nice to me. But then like, <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> it's yeah, right. like the curveball factor he's like and he he has the coolest story because he's like well i grew up the first 25 years of my life being a grizzly bear so i guess i can be a t- teddy bear now you know Dude, <laughs> I, like, I love that yeah. <laughs> that is awesome so i want you to explain your sound really quick so your influences you come from like johnny cash the weekend post malone and nirvana are influences that are posted uh you're you consider yourself alternative anti-pop but I want you to explain what you consider alternative anti-pop and maybe tell me about one of your influences that might come as a surprise as people that might, that might not know, Hey, you're influenced by this person. Okay. Yes. Sick. No, totally. Uh, so like, I think anti-pop. So like, if you listen to pop music, like, did you listen to the blacked out record? Yours? Yeah. 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 We listened to, yeah, so, we listened to all. So super like happy pop mm-hmm. melody. But like the lyrical content is like negative feelings, yeah. right? Yeah. And so like that's the idea of anti-pop. Okay. So like obviously the guitars are driven, mm-hmm. uh, and some of the songs is a lot more rap. Yeah. So you'd almost put it in like like sad boy rap, like little peepish yeah. kind of. Well, even uh, with like the blacked out video and everything with that, it goes a lot. I feel like it goes a lot with that whole form yeah. of it. So it's like you hear the music and you're like, oh, this is a pop punk song. But mm-hmm. then you're like, no, this is not a pop punk lyric song. You know, <laughs> but, this is not Stacy's mom. Yeah, you know? right. Well, go ahead and tell me about <laughs> some of that influenced you before I ask that this next question. I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably uh, uh, a lot of like the old like Etta James, a lot nice. of the like old more bluesy R and B like just roots singers that I grew up listening to, yeah. like. You know, Motown, a lot of Motown cats. Like, I love Motown. I love it. I mean, it's just like, there's something to it. Like, um, and then, you know, like picking out country artists. Like, I think why I did so well in the country space was because I didn't like necessarily love country music. So when I heard a country artist I like jumped into and like loved, it was because, you know, okay, well, that guy has got something special. Mm -hmm. So, the first client I worked with in the country space was Luke Combs, right? Yep. So I was a CPA before all this manager stuff, and I had a business management firm, and Luke was, like, one of my early clients, right? Nice. Um, so, like, Luke was one of those guys where it was like, I don't love country music, but I love what this guy's doing, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, and I think it's because, like, Luke would even tell you, like, country was something he found later in life, um, and that, like, earlier in his roots, it was cats like John Legend would be an yeah. inspiring singer, like, I love John Legend. I listened to that Get Lifted record probably a million times. Kanye West, like Lupe Fiasco, oh, like yeah. Common. Chicago rap was like the biggest thing I was into. I, wasn't I, I live in Chicago, so I love it. <laughs> like Outcast was probably my just like diehard Atlanta rap group that I could I could go for. I was a huge Royce to Five Nine guy because of oh, his independent movement, yeah. like. So, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like all over the place. And like, I think I fell in love, like my grandparents, they, they ran a new. Like always from a business minded cat, like it wasn't like a mistake. I became a CPA. Like you learn a lot dealing drugs when you're crazy and a young kid. Like I was, I was 
way more advanced than the other business students at MTSU. And I realized it was because I understood what accounts payable and accounts receivable was because I've lived it. Yeah, you, know? you probably yeah. learned more that way than you did at school at times, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. School was just for the definitions. I was like, oh, you mean this shit I've been doing my whole life? That's really called an accounts receivable ledger? That little <laughs> black book I got, all these motherfuckers that owe me money? Uh-huh. Every <laughs> single one of these guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, feels, so that was like, feels that weird. was like really like, I don't know. Like it was like, no thanks. So like, I just like looked at like businesses and brands and like music and like, was like, okay, well, what could this guy's business be independent of if he had the help of a record label, independent of if he had the help of radio, like what can people fall in love with? And then, you know, like the internet and social media and all this was like the paving way. And like my first experience, like I told you selling records was using MySpace. Mm. Like, so I was selling physicals through MySpace before people knew that that was a thing, I think, you know? Yeah, MySpace. I mean, I went back to it a couple of years ago. I was like, dude, what happened? It's all music now, which is awesome. But they kind of went back to focusing more on the music. So jumping back to like the whole anti-pop we were talking about and everything else, like listen to your lyrics and how you're kind of talking about how you connect with Jelly. But you yourself, you use a lot of your music to help cope with like mental health issues and stuff and stuff that you've probably been ever since you were young and everything else. So for you, when you're kind of putting your personal issues into your music, how does it, uh, how easy is it for you at times or how hard is it for you too to kind of be vulnerable for yourself and for your, maybe your fans? I think it's easiest for me because it's like, I know if I felt that way, someone else did. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm not trying to reach a million people. I'm trying to reach the one other person that felt that way. And if my, if my goal is one human being and, and touching them with a lyric or something that they can relate to, or like a situation that they've been through, you know, like, you know, I think that's worth it in its own. Yeah. So it's like, I think for me, like the vulnerability is like my own release in a therapeutic manner. It's like, even if nobody listened to this, like me getting to say all this now on a record is like, okay, well, cool. Like I got that out like that, that exists now. I don't really have to like revisit that unless I want to listen to the record. The record tells the story. So I I like like, that, man. Yeah. I definitely like that because I know, especially the last year or so, this whole pandemic, a lot of people have came up, a lot of mental health issues have kind of spiked in this past year. And, and we need, right. I mean, fans like myself, we need artists and musicians to kind of put music out like that because that's the only way we're going to really cope. And I mean, you have a song, this is how we, how I cope and everything that yeah. really kind of, when I listen to it, it's just, I hear these different things. I love it, dude. So I love it. The music you put into it and how you put your heart and your personality into it. So thank you for that, for being that kind of artist. Yeah, I I think the more we talk about it, the more it like gets better and the more yeah. we learn. You know, like if someone can take my story about addiction and like mean that they're not gonna be, you know, addicted. So I'm proud mm-hmm. California sober for ten years, you know, like <laughs> Cheers, brother. Yeah. So it's like I it's like, man, and I, I can't imagine you know, like growing up it was tough because I feel like I was almost like set up for failure, right? So yep. like growing up I like I had ADD. So immediately, what do they do? They give you Adderall or Ritalin. Yep. And Ritalin. You, you start uh, being addicted to a stimulant at an extremely young age. Yep. And then they expect you to get into the real world and not like other stimulants. And it's like, exactly. well, you've been classically conditioned your whole life to, to use this. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, how do you break that cycle or how do you break that habit? 
And I think for me, it was once I started like really like, okay, well, I can smoke marijuana and I can do this and it like makes me feel better. Okay. Like that's a cool, that's a cool, happy medium for me. Now my mom probably doesn't love it, but you know, my mom's a deacon in a church, you know, (laughs) you know, so like, I think once Tennessee legalizes it, she has no problem with it. I think she just thinks that it's not the laws of the land currently. Right. So like, and that was me growing up in high school. Like, like I had the ADD and I was on Ritalin, but Around like the age of 15, 16, it was the first time I ever smoked pot. And the minute I smoked it, I was like, whoa, okay. I had focus. And I, I felt like I, I I knew what I was doing. And I felt like it was more of a straight line in a way. But the Ritalin, I had to get off that because I just didn't, I felt like I was still crazy on it in a way. I just didn't like how I felt. But every time my yeah. parents found my, my stack or, or my stash or whatever, they'd take it from me. They're like, hey, you got to graduate before you do this. And But now that it's legal here in Illinois and I work at a dispensary, I see so many people come in and talk to me about when they were young and how this helped them do this and do everything else. I just love hearing these stories and love how far it's come and just to see how it's being used now. I mean, my wife works for a cancer hospital and I'll look up and see some patients with like their badges on. And it's just cool to see how like it's all coming together now. Um, and it's just yeah. taken so long for it to happen. Yeah. No, it's incredible. I have an autoimmune disorder called Stills disease, kind of where the name comes from. Okay. So like that was one of those things where they just put me on all these drugs and I tried them and I just had like terrible side effects, man. And then like the Vandy dude was like, well, what did you do differently? And I was like, well, I haven't been smoking pot since I've been seeing you. And he's like, well, just smoke pot again, kid. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of like rheumatoid arthritis. Won't you try that? And like, dude, started smoking pot again. And that autoimmune disorder I've had has been in remission since. So it's like, I don't know if there's, science to it but i feel like you know like we're in a place where we need to find out if there is science to it you know exactly exactly (laughs) yeah but i i I love seeing definitely like the older generation now coming back to it too uh and seeing because you you know a lot of our parents tried it when they were kids too so (laughs) they can't lie about it (laughs) my my dad would have been like 18 and 75 yeah (laughs) no chance no chance doug wallace wasn't like just going mind blown he tells me about taking quaaludes and i'm kind of slightly jealous right (laughs) so i want to know i see uh when i went on your website and i saw at your store and a couple i shared them a little bit earlier if you guys saw my screen some polaroids and I've seen a couple of people have tagged juniors. I want to know the story about the Polaroids that you put out and everything else. Cause I think it's unique. I've never seen many people really do this. Yeah. So I've got like, uh, it's just funny you ask, uh, dude, I got probably like a hundred Polaroids upstairs in these little two black books. And like, I'm just collecting them. And so like, there's actually a few for sale on my yeah. merch store. So like one one Polaroids was kind of like my thing. I was like, all right, this is cool. You know, uh, I, one of my bands, I did an artwork, Muscadon, the enemy artwork was the first one where I used a Polaroid. Yeah. I literally took that uh, picture of a Polaroid I'd taken on my countertop or whatever and did the cool, made the enemy artwork or whatever. So that was like super dope. Like, and I was like, okay, well, this is kind of my thing. I like Polaroids. Like I've literally got it sitting right here just in case like there's someone in the studio. So like every time someone comes through, I snap a Polaroid and usually take two or three, give them a couple and then keep one for my collection and just like kind of just saving them up for one day. Just like, yeah. it's like, you can say, Hey, this guy was here. This guy was here. And it's like, I don't know. There's something about analog gear. So like my big thing is I've always been a mix and a mastering engineer. Yep. And so like 
as we've moved more into digital music, a lot of people have gotten away from what I love, which is analog recording equipment. And like, if I grabbed my camera and showed you, I'd, you'd see I'm sitting at around probably an island of about a hundred thousand dollars of analog recording equipment. Nice, and there's yeah. just something special about analog. It's like a Polaroid truthfully is like a one of one thing. It's like yeah. an analog image. It's like, you know, you have this, you can make a digital copy, but that's about as good as you can do. Like, yeah, so right. it's like, you have something that's like a piece of time and there's something just like special about that. I feel that's why I'm such a vinyl fan too. I, I still, I yeah. just love the whole antique feel and just everything of vinyl. I still have my parents when they first moved to Chicago, their first piece of furniture they bought in 1969 was this big old vinyl stereo player. Dude. And I still have, it still has a for sale tag in it and everything for the date on it and shit. And it's cool because like, I'll, yeah. I'm a diehard church fan, Eric church. So I'll put like his newest album and stuff in there and listen to that. And, my dad will be sitting there and here and be like, so it's kind of cool that it's kind of te- so the test of time and still be able to play that music. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's like the cool thing. It's, it goes back to col- just being a collective yeah. kid, you know, like this is another thing I can collect. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. I, I still got the old Cheech and Chong ones, but they're missing the rolling papers. I asked my dad where they were and he never told me. But <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking a little bit about Jelly Roll earlier and you were uh, featured on the song Overdose with Jelly. And I love it because you gave the shout out to Ryan Nelson with the T-shirt. Um, yeah. But tell me a little bit about that song, because that definitely feels like more of a personal song. Uh did it come from you? Did it come from Jelly? Where did that song come from? And how did the whole collaboration come on together? Man, me, me and this kid, uh, Britt Water, kind of had this hook idea. Um, he's one of my favorite dudes to write with, dude. Super talented kid. Um, super dope. Um, so we had this, like, super cool hook idea. And, you know, we were rounding out the self-medicated album. And, mm-hmm. we, and we knew we had to, like, deliver at least, like, 16 songs. So Jelly had like 13 or 14 and we just had this big old box of beats. Um, So me and my production partner probably placed like 12 beats or so on self-medicated. So like that was a big win for us, like in in the production game. So like overdose was one of those beats that we'd had and I just had this hook to it. And uh, Jelly super loved the hook and kind of like changed a few things about it to make it a little bit more Jelly Roll. And I was like, oh, dude, this is so cool. And then uh, we were just kind of like trying to finish out the album. And I went in there early one morning because I'm, I'm like a super early guy. Like I wake up at 6 a.m. every day. Like there, there's like not a question about it. Mine's 4 a.m. So. so, yeah, yeah. So it's like, like I got into the studio and me and the engineer were just sitting there. And I was like, dude, when we wrote this hook, I wrote a verse to it. Let me just go in there and see how I sound on this M49 because I was like, this might be a microphone I want to buy. It's like a $7,000 mic. Yeah. Nobody's in the studio. We're sitting here twiddling our thumbs. We paid the engineer and paid the time. I'm waiting on the guys to get here. Let me go spit this verse. And so uh, I'm like spitting the verse and about at the end of it. And j- j- I hear Jelly like had walked in or something and was in the bank break room or whatever. And he was like, bruh that shit you just spit in there was so fire. And I was like, for real? He's like, I think you just got your Stu Matthews feature. He's like, you've been helping me write hooks too, too many times not to, uh, not to give you a little feature here. So that was kind of how it all unfolded. And I was like, damn dude, it was like that moment of like, man, my whole life I've been trying to work with jelly roll, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm dude. actually going to be on a record, not just like the manager, not just this guy behind the scenes shooting videos or taking pictures you or get to be making still. beats <laughs> or playing some guitar in a, in a, in a live video. Like I'm going to be on the record. So that's I guess awesome. Just, 
It's kind of like almost like how Ryan Nelson told me about uh, about how when he worked with him in his song, he's like, yeah, he goes, I just thought I was going in there and working on like a guitar riff or something. Next thing I know, I'm on the damn song. <laughs> he's like, I didn't even know I was going to be on the song. He goes, I, he goes, I thought I was just going to do like a scratch vocal or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, it was so funny. Me and uh, me and Nelson wrote that one too uh, mm-hmm. together. That hook, that too far hook. Yeah, and he wrote it, and then he was singing it, and I was like, dude, just get in there, dude. Let's let's track it. And it was so fire and Jelly heard it. And he was like, yeah, dude, like, why would I re-sing that? Let's give a shout out to our boy. We had just uh, done our little deal with Ryan. So he was like, let's just put him on the record. So it's cool. Yeah. So we've got Ryan in this really cool, like artist development deal, which is kind of like just functioning kind of as de facto manager and like working his records and really just trying to help him grow his career. Just because I've been knowing Ryan for five years. We've been writing songs together. Uh, me and him wrote "Show Up Drunk," so yeah. shout out to that song because that song's a jam. Um, I think he said and, today when his song was going to be "Show Up High" when he when he shows up tonight at the show. <laughs> I, I hooked him up Sunday with a little bit, so <laughs> he was yeah, a little yeah, happy with yeah. that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, man. So like, just shout out to Ryan, dude, for being like a, a really dope songwriter and just hustling, man. He's got an awesome record that me and me and uh, the guys have been working on on yeah. our team. Just like really just put together the the business side and the rollout plan. And I'm so excited about the next 16 songs that nice. I coming. Like, yeah, it was uh, all my dances. Is that the one? All my dances dude, is one of them. Dude, that smash, dude. He played that on the show when he was on, when he on the show, dude, that was awesome. Definitely one of my favorites, heavy, heavy favorite on that one. So, so, so talking yeah. about jelly before we, we got roll on to the next thing, but he was really big in the independent scene. He still is an independent artist. Do you think uh, he's changing the future of independent artists in any way? And do you think that's what we're going to see maybe down the line more uh, with artists uh, be more independent than they are over our, our labels? I kind of been seeing that a lot as as is now. Yeah, if if you don't look at what me and Muscadine Bloodline and Jelly Roll have done. Mm-hmm. And like, take that as a blueprint. You you can completely miss the life lesson if you're an independent artist out there. Like, cause what we did, whether you get the record deal mm-hmm. or whether you stay independent, you've got a business. So do it independently and steal that blueprint and figure out what it is that's going to make you and separate you as an independent artist and drive that home and be active on your socials and do all those things because that's the blueprint. And then when you go into a record label meeting, you have leverage to get a real advance, to get real terms, to get real deals, even if you want to sign a deal. Otherwise, you're you're stuck in a le- no leverage. Like these artists that walk into a deal and they sign a deal that, and they have no buzz going mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, th- well, that's why the label owns your masters. Yeah. You couldn't build a business your damn self. Exactly. I mean, they owned everything on you, and you really didn't have nothing going in. So, I, I dude, that's some of the best advice I've ever heard. Honestly, I'm not even going to lie. Everything you just said right there is awesome for anybody that's like independent out there. Listen to this guy talk because I really think I see more independent artists coming out and being successful, dude. And especially with TikTok, dude, now. I mean, it's crazy to see how overnight success is on TikTok for so many people. Yeah. And, and like, it's just a real world. You can touch millions of people now without a record label. You couldn't do that when I was growing up. Like, like when I'm 16, you had to get a deal. You had to get distributed. Exposure almost. Yeah. 
yeah, or, or else you were just some local band that played the fucking local bar, you know, like that's what you were. And nobody like, I don't equate that to success, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like if music's a hobby, then just approach it that way. But if you really want to be successful, you have to do the things that are building the business because it's only 20% of it is the product. It's 80% of it is the business. It's a brand. You got to build the brand. Dude. And the team you yep. put around you. And it is so valuable to stop hiring people for connections and start hiring people who can add five to 10 times the value of their fee to your bottom line. Nice. And if they can't do that, then that's not the person for you. If you're looking at a manager and he can't make the 15% that, that he's asking you for a laughable percentage, mm-hmm. Like anytime I go into manage or work with an artist, if I, if my percentage is 10%, then I'm looking at it like, okay, well, I need to get this thing 10 times bigger because I want to make what the artist is now. I want to make a hundred percent of where it's at now. So that means I got to grow this thing 10 times. Yep. And if I do that, then I can look at them and I can be like, well, dude, we're making, you know, infinitely more you know, money here. Like what's the little fucking 10% you got to give me. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Dude, let's rock star this life. Like, (laughs) is it going to keep doing this? Like, and it's like, yeah, it is because we now have broken the cycle of like, cause you couldn't do what old artists could do. Like they got to sell a vinyl, then they get to repurpose it on a track tape Mm -hmm. CD. My dad has every possible way you can have Hotel California possible. <laughs> Downloaded on iTunes. The video disc or whatever they had back then. <laughs> every possible way you can have the record, you know? And it's like, now we live in a world where it's repurposed every time you play it, yep. you know? So it's like, it's like I tell people, if you want to make $100,000 from streaming, you got to get... 34,250 people to listen to two songs a day, 365 days a year. Yeah. That's all it takes. You got to have 34,250 real fans. If you want to make a hundred grand from streaming revenue. Yep. And if the label's not participating in it, cause they don't own it and you built that business on your own, you've got a six figure income for yourself. Yeah. You know, so it's like, be realistic with your goals. And I think like set them and run and like, that's why I, I work with Jelly. Like that man has a vision, and it's maybe not always the A plus idea, mm-hmm. but it's an A plus execution. Exactly, and he's so damn real and just down to earth with everything. It's just he's a no bullshit type of guy, and that's what I think a lot of people like. And yeah, I think that's why he's so relatable and it's awesome. I mean, what he's doing and what he's doing for other people out there with with his music and what you are doing too. Because I mean, you're the man behind most of it out there. What you all have been doing has just been amazing, dude. That's why I, when I first reached out to you, I was just like, dude, I just love the work you guys have been putting out because it's just been phenomenal with Ryan Nelson and everything else. So, because Ryan Nelson this, turned me on what you guys were doing. Yeah, this Ryan Nelson stuff is going <laughs> to like blow people's minds. I'm so excited to like show that kid's personality too. Like, one yeah. of the things that we've done really well is that I think people neglect YouTube. Like, YouTube out there for any independent artist that needs to know this is the largest DSP. So if you're not releasing your music on YouTube with a visual, you're saying I'm not releasing my music to the largest platform I have to release music to because there's 2 billion plus active users 
on YouTube and Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Pandora combined is dwarfed by just the users on YouTube. Oh, yeah. yeah YouTube is just, if you could get on YouTube and get, get into the algorithm or get a niche on there, that's phenomenal. And so. it doesn't take $20,000 videos. It doesn't no. take that. It takes really strategic, consistent content. Yep. Exactly. I mean, people want to see you active. I mean, that's what they love. If you, if yeah. you for a couple of days you disappear, they're gonna move on to somebody else for sure, dude. For yeah, sure. like one of my favorite videos that I've gotten to shoot over my career was when I was working with Jordan Fletcher. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any budget. It was before he had his pub deal, and we shot this cover song video. And I literally just have my DSLR. We paid. He bought me lunch one day, <laughs> and that's that's what he paid for the yep. video. You know, like that was it. But I mean, look where it's also. I mean, it's something you could say. Hey, this is why I was a part of and where you are now and it's just cool as hell to look back and see that stuff yeah no and it's awesome to see where that kid's at like that dude that dude has a bright future too. i had him on the show too uh, a couple seasons or so ago and dude he's awesome dude i love what he's doing man so definitely bringing the heat on that one so all right we're gonna move on to our next segment real quick um we're gonna take a 20 second break play a quick sponsor audio and i'll be right back bud awesome this episode is powered by pod decks Pod decks are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Pod decks. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code. What's the code? Fast on Memphis. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. All right. Had to pay the bills on that one real quick. <laughs> All right, dude. So, uh, well, my sponsor is a little pod deck cards. Uh, I p- picked a couple cards out earlier. And the questions I picked out for you that I wanted to kind of do a little differently tonight, which one was, which quality do you think is more important for a musician? A unique style or a technical skill? If I had to choose, I'd say unique style. Okay. But the right answer is self-awareness. So it's knowing which of those two things you bring to the table and hiring a team around you that brings the other side of the, of the table. So really I would say focus on what you're good at. And if it is a unique style, then hire people around you with technical skills. Yeah. And conversely, if it's technical skills, hire people that have unique style and branding about them to support the things that you're good at. Cause like ultimately that's what it takes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of chuckled too. Right. When I was playing my audio, the sponsor audio, I'm like reading this question. I'm like he literally just answered this question. It feels like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and then the second one I picked up is if you could call yourself when you were 13 years old for a five minute conversation, what would you be telling yourself at 13 that you know now, knowing what you did at 16 when you ran off too. I, I mean, honestly, like the best advice I could give myself is just keep doing exactly what I'm doing. Cause it's going to work. Like it's going to work. Like the things you're passionate about, like I chased what I was passionate about. Yeah. So I would tell myself to just keep chasing what I'm passionate about, because if you've got passion, it trumps most other cards or yeah. obstacles you're going to have around you. So it's like, that's what I did is I just chased passion and I was like, okay, well, 
what's a complementary skill that I could use always accounting. Okay. Well, I'll go get that. That's my like safe plan that I never really planned to be as real CPA, but then I got got stuck in it. Right. (laughs) But then like, but it's like, yeah, just find what you're good at. And if you want to work in the music business, then like get the skills that you think you can do the best and focus on those. Like, I think bringing a business mindset was the most valuable thing I can do because I have this right side of the brain that thinks really creatively, but mm-hmm. I also have a left side that's like super analytical. So it's like I can speak creative, but I get the business side. So I'm like, okay, guys, well, this is like how I would understand it if I was just in creative mode. So it's like people have layman's terms. I have creative mode terms. It's yeah. like how to speak to creatives is like the most valuable thing. If, if you're on the music business side, how you can speak to creatives is the most valuable skill and the psychology of a creative. If you can learn that, then you're going to be able to better serve your clients just period. Yeah. I love that. I definitely love that. You're teaching me a lot tonight for sure. I love this, man. It's been a really fun interview. So this next segment I'm going to do is called the hot seat. I'm going to ask you 10 questions. The first thing that comes to your mind to spit out and let's see, go ahead. We're going to do a little music. Yeah, there we go. Just a little bit. All right. Your first cassette tape you've ever owned. Uh, that MC Hammer one. Oh, hell yeah. What's your hometown famous for? Uh, Chick-fil-A. Oh, dude. Hell yeah. What poster was on your bedroom wall in middle school? Grant Hill. Dude. Hell yeah. So, dude, I had Alonzo Morning too <laughs> back in the day. Dude, I love that. All right. The strangest thing you've ever seen in the middle of the road. Uh, Yorkshire Terrier dead. That's pretty rough. Yeah. Ouch. Yes, I agree on that one. We've had some weird ones. What did Nelson say? Like someone drunk and naked or something? <laughs> I thought it was a squirrel was what was bad. And I was like, no, that's really a Yorkie. I see the collar. Oh, dude, that's rough. Yeah, definitely. All right. What's one song you wish you wrote, man? Oh, uh, uh, I got away with you by Luke Combs. Dude, that's hell. Yeah. All right. Shout out Ray Fulcher on that one. Dude, dude he sang it when he was on the show a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it was awesome, too. Oh, my too. goodness, dude. What a, what a great songwriter. If y'all don't know Ray Fulcher, like, no Ray Fulcher. He's a guy. You uh, you might be on the same lineup as him one day soon. <laughs> we'll talk it. more. We'll talk more later about that, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. What's one thing people buy that you think is a waste of money? Shoes. <laughs> thank you <laughs> like let's just be real don't don't put 120 dollars into a pair of nikes get on td ameritrade and put 120 dollars in nike stock mm-hmm. every time you want to buy a pair of shoes mm-hmm. Dude, i love that i love that man i wear new balances and uh flip-flops <laughs> when i can't or sandals <laughs> so yeah i definitely i see people spend two three hundred dollars on shoes i'm like how how can y'all do that come on now <laughs> So much man, more out I, there. I wish some of these some of these rappers they like shoes, you know. Yeah, those little Nas shoes ever get released, or they just pulled them, didn't they? I think they had to pull them. That was insane, dude. Putting blood. In shoes. <laughs> All right, dude. When you're ever out on the road, or you've been on the road, where's been? The, what's been the cleanest bathroom you've ever found? Oh wow! <laughs> oh man. I'm trying to think of who who actually has a clean bed. You know, Ryman, Ryman Auditorium. There you go. All right. That place is always in tip top shape. <laughs> nice. I love it. What's the yeah. most annoying bill you have to pay? Uh, 
this sounds terrible, but <laughs> pet insurance? I have pet insurance? Damn. If you want to save money, don't own bulldogs. <laughs> All right. I'm sure your dogs, they have pet insurance, so I'm sure they were not cheap dogs to begin with. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a bulldog. So yeah. Like, what, yeah, like you're spending money for a bulldog, so you get pet insurance because you're like, it's a bulldog. But like, really, like I've had mutts my whole life. This was my first like purebred dog. And I'm like, man. This got all the problems. All the other dogs I had were just chill. They just turned fourteen, and then yeah. old Bye. age took them. You know, yeah. like you know, it's like bulldogs, man, tough. Yeah, Dude, that's funny. And then uh, the last two are oddest job you've ever taken to earn a dollar. Uh, probably valet parking. Dude. <laughs> right. And then the last one, something that's on your bucket list, something you might still want to achieve. Uh, in the music industry or just something in life that you want to accomplish? Yeah, I'm trying to break 70. So avid golfer over here and I'm trying to, I'm trying to break 70. My low round is 71 off, off the tips at uh, Pine Creek. And I'm like, so dying to get, get, get in 69 land. Nice, man. Nice. That is, I've never really got into golfing. I think the last time I golfed, my wife got really pissed at me because uh, it was my rehearsal dinner night, or no, the rehearsal of our wedding, and the, the country club gave us a free round of golf, but I don't really golf, so we just chased a dr- drinking cart around or the beer yeah. cart. And I think we're on like, I don't know, one of the last holes or whatever. I just see her on the balcony with her hands on our hip, just pissed. We were like an hour late for rehearsal or something. I'm with all my guys. <laughs> I was in deep shit because <laughs> I wasn't the soberest at that time either. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. I, I play golf with Jelly too often, and I'm like, dude, are we going to start drinking on hole three? Because I'm not making it to 18. Dude. <laughs> how's, how's his golf game? You know, like, he started playing in the quarantine just because it was like, okay, well, we can go out and get out together, chop up business, kind of like gives us three hours, you know, like, we, yeah. you know, we weren't going into the office as much because it's like pandemic or whatever. So like yeah, he he like from where he started to where he is now, like he's he, he's like upper nineties, mid nineties. So I mean, definitely fun to play with. Hell you know, yeah, like, dude! That ain't any, bad for anybody, just starting. Anybody breaking a hundred or, or is like easy to play with for me because nice. they 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 get it. They're good enough at the game to be like. Oh, you know what? I'm out on this hole. I'll pick up back on, on the next one. You know? like, <laughs> I just hacked two in the woods. I think I'm going to take a break. You know, like, <laughs> I love so it, like, dude. Golf is mindset. You know, it's yeah. just like if you're out there to have a good time, then the rest of it just happens, right? Exactly, dude. I, I definitely feel that all the way. All right, dude, before we wrap up the night, we're going to get you to play a couple songs for us. Uh, the first one I know you said over and talked about Diamonds and Gold, which is going to be released. Uh, if I read it right, it was May. I, I did find an article that was out about three, four weeks ago that was read online um, that said uh, yeah. this was going to release sometime around May or so. Is that still true? Yeah, totally. Right. Uh, just got the edit back for the animated video, so that's like Sweet, super sick, dude. right? Sweet, I cannot wait to see that. So set this up a little bit. Uh, so tell me a little bit where diamonds and uh, diamonds and gold came from, man. Yeah, so diamonds and gold's a record uh, I wrote with my buddy Sam Crabtree, who Sam writes a lot with Nelson too. He wrote nice. the the way my heart breaks. So 
shout out to them because that's like my favorite Ryan Nelson song. Dude, that's I love out. that one, dude. <laughs> it just like gets me. Um, and so like me and Sam were just sitting around one day and just like writing kind of he doesn't play guitar, so I'm like the guitar player. So I was like strumming this thing and I kind of just like belted out this hook and he was like, Is that like a song? Are you singing a song that's already out? And I was like, No, dude, that's just this little guitar riff I was coming up with and he was like right, so we're gonna write that right and I was like yeah so we called our our, our dude uh Adam Church and uh mm-hmm. Church came in and like uh between that one and uh and it's so funny because the same people wrote Tennessee the other one I'm playing so nice. like both these songs I'm playing tonight are me Sam Crabtree and uh Adam Church so yeah so like nice, that was a cool cool vibe and these are probably more of my more country records so like okay. a little bit closer to that so that's kind of uh that's kind of where we're at so is is the so diamonds of gold the, the song that's gonna come out in may with another animated video you said yeah dude that is so cool i love the fact that you're doing all these animated videos so i cannot wait to see all these so Yes. Yeah, so, so like st- the animated video started with Jim, not queen. That's the first one. Okay. And so it'll tie into diamonds and gold and you'll, you'll see how it ties in. And then the third song, how you left will be the like cap out of that little animated series. Nice. And then I'm going to have comic book lyric sheets that you guys will be able to get that are super dope. Only going to make 500 of them, but like, yeah, I love that super dope comic book lyric sheets like because like i that said I'm collected shit. i love yeah. that the artists when artists do that the limited stuff like like your polaroids are one-on-one and now you're gonna do the 500 i love that man because this makes things like you're, you're a collector dude you, yeah it makes things more valuable when it has when you know there's only so much that exists of this item so I, yeah. love, I love that you do that dude so um yeah who does your animation do you do your own animation or do you got someone that does it so we got a creative director in, in house on our jelly roll team. So me and Ryan, uh, write like a lot of the stories mm-hmm. and the treatment. So shout out Ryan hoodie. He, he's kind of been my dude for that. Um, so I've just been writing music video treatments forever and like nice. have produced a lot of music videos, but he's like a true director. So like we get in really hard and then a uh, shout out to our dude, Sebastian, who's the actual animator okay. and like, so it's it's kind of a funny story. So like we like had just kind of talked to him via text or whatever, and he bounces between uh, the United States and Colombia. So we got like our first ones, and I was like, you know, I'm grew up in the South, y'all. Like, don't speak Spanish by any means. And I'm looking at it, and I like squint in. I'm like, it says Asina. <laughs> all right, all right. So this ain't English. So I was like, okay, cool. And then, so like the first video turned out dope and I love the animation. And I was like, okay, cool. So then we were doing the second video and we uh, FaceTimed Sebastian for the first time. And he's like, he's like a young kid. Like he's not that old. Like he's probably like 18 or 19. And there's like apparently a team of animators down there in Colombia. And he's just like from there and just like, so they're like crushing the shit, honestly. Nice, dude. That's cool yeah. shit, though. Yeah, that's hell yeah, man. All right, well, I'll yeah, give you the stage, and uh, yeah, here's diamonds and gold, guys. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a sip of water before I do this. All right, we good. That little black 
black dread, tattoos in black ink. Leather jacket on the bed and a muted TV. Elevator takes her 41 floors up. Somebody's waiting for an angel watching rain fall down the window with the night sky lit Diamonds and gold. Getting high when she's low. High heels and blow. That's just how a night goes. Tiptoeing on the top. Taking a necklace off Lipstick on the mirror means more than riding on the wall Waving curtains, waiting Satin sheets on the floor Now she's leaning on the railing with her bare feet on the table And a dead bolt on the door Diamonds get old Getting high when she's low High heels and blow That's just how her night goes Diamonds and gold Getting high when she's low High heels and blow. That's just how a night goes. That little black dress, tattoos and black ink, leather jacket on the bed, and a muted TV. All right, dude. I love how you put your, just how you put everything into your songs, dude. I really love your lyrics and how everything goes together, and how you just you don't care, dude. You just really just put it all out there. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I love how real you are, dude. I'm sorry. I just had a. I was getting into that song, and I was just, first thing that popped in my head after that song. Dude, I was like, gotta do it. Gotta, gotta holler at him. So you said the next one's Tennessee. Tell me about this one, where it came from, kind of the whole writing process with this one a little bit. Yeah, so this one was like one of my more country ballads and like wrote it and was thinking like, okay, like what would like uh, Eric Church or someone kind of write? And like, because Adam Church is a huge Eric Church fan. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, like what's a cool song for him? And so uh, we wrote this song called Tennessee. And it's like super dope. It's kind of like about like coming to Tennessee and trying to figure it out. But then like maybe never really, you know, like figuring it out. And then like you're going to make peace with the world and you're going back to your hometown, which for him is Carolina. Mm -hmm. So like you'll hear the Carolina dropping the hook. And so like it was just kind of like about like what 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 this world is. So like, I don't know. It's just like that nostalgic kind of throwback, kind of more like country, oh, Jason yeah. Isbell, singer-songwriter kind of feel. That's another thing. Like, if you guys have not dug into Still, definitely dig into his music because your range of just genres, I mean, just it's kind of almost like Joey in a way. You could just jump around, dude. I mean, you could be in here and throwing down the raps and overdose or just 
throwing out some badass lyrics just now and just like some stripped down acoustic guitar. So I, I love how you're versatile and how you, you range just all over the place, dude. Love dude, it. I appreciate that. So, yeah. I'll give you the stage. Here's Tennessee, y'all. All right, y'all. Tennessee and the turning leaves Oh, 90 miles is all that I've got left 40 east and that shotgun seat Is a phone you won't be calling Save your breath I'm on my way to Carolina Cold Creek waters waiting on me I'm on my way to Carolina I can make it out of Tennessee Midtown nights and those starless skies Those city girls just waiting on free drinks Southern pine, I'm on eastern time Some things make to come back when they leave I'm on my way to Carolina The cold creek waters waiting on me I'm on my way to Carolina If I can make it out of Tennessee Tennessee in the turning leaves. Oh, 80 miles is all that I got left. Dude, that's another one, dude. I guess, like, you're painting that picture, dude, with those lyrics. I love that, dude. Love that. Dude, still- Sam Crabtree is a machine at the dude. lyrics. Dude, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that. I gotta look this guy up. I'm definitely, I'm a huge songwriter fan, dude, and I, I gotta check this guy out. See what else he's, he's a songwriter, on. songwriter too, because nice, it's a guy that like he doesn't play instruments, yeah. and he's like not like a singer. Mm-hmm. So he's like had this like, how do I create in a songwriter's room? And like, I want to be in there, and like lyrics are this dude's thing. So it's like I'll have an idea or a story, and he's like, okay, yeah, that's. That's a story we can tell. And I'm like, yes, I love it. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I've been seeing our, our live count going up and down tonight. I just realized that at 8 o'clock, 10 minutes ago, we, we lost a lot of people because Eric Church went live. 
<laughs> our fan, a lot of our fan base is Eric Church fans, and I forgot he went yeah. live on Amazon tonight. So yeah, I was like looking. I'm like, man, we lost a lot of people ten minutes ago. What happened? <laughs> oh well, they'll get us on I the streams. It. They'll get us on the streams tomorrow once it gets uploaded. I'm sure they will. But uh, yeah. dude, thank you so much for spending this last hour with me, dude. I really appreciated getting to know you and getting to know really still and just where you came from, man, and just Matt Wallace as well. Um, yeah. Just all the different things you dig into. And that's, you're kind of like me, dude. It's like, I don't know where you find time to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, so. I, I really don't like sleeping too much. Right? So it's we like, can sleep when we're dead, dude. <laughs> I get this five-hour window, and I call it good, you know? <laughs> dude, I'm the same way. If I get four or five hours a night, I'm good to go. Midnight to 4 a.m., I'm, I'm good. So Yeah, I'll smoke my way through it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Do you want to, um, if you guys are looking for still, if you look up in the show notes in today's uh, episode, and uh, either if you're listening to it live or if you're listening to it back on the streaming, you'll be able to find all of his links. Uh, do you have anything you want to say before you sign off still? Man, I just appreciate y'all tuning in. This has been a, a heck of an experience and a good time. And for all the independent artists out there hustling, like, don't don't give up. Chase your dreams, like, and chase them, like, with the most tenacity and passion you can because they can come true. Hell yeah, they, they really can. Like, all of them can. Like, you just have to, like, envision it and execute, like, don't get caught up in ideas. Get caught up in execution. I mean, you're you're living proof, man. Uh, uh, dreams do come true. I mean, you had that dream at 16, and you went for it. You ran after it, dude. And you haven't stopped yeah. running for it. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna yeah. get some great things coming your way. I, I know 2021 is gonna be a good year for you, bud. I love it. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. So, all right, man. You thank thank you so much. And uh, yeah, next time I'm in the area, I'll holler, dude. We'll definitely have to get yeah, together dude. sometime. Appreciate it, man. Uh, take, it. take it easy and have a good night. Have a good 420, dude. Yeah, bro. Happy 420, y'all. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk soon. Later. All right. All right, guys. That was awesome. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go bring you on. There you are. <laughs> How did you, you have fun tonight? I did. I, like I did. I really liked him. He was a cool guy. You know, he uh, he's a smart guy. That's what I got off him. Like he had some knowledge. And I think he, he knew that at a young age. I do too. I do too. And he uh, he knows. Ex- I think he knows exactly what he's talking about. Mm. And I think he has a lot to offer to people. So I learned a little bit. He off should him do tonight. like a like a TED talk. <laughs> I, <laughs> mean, know, yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously, seriously, he, he had a lot so of really good advice for people. And I mean, I was intrigued, and I'm not, you know. But but, uh, you're, that's something I knew that you're kind of new to is the whole like production and mixing thing and everything. Oh yeah, so. for sure. I I really think he should do some 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 speaking. I think he's really good at it. Oh hell yeah! I mean, it was great to to have him on the show and just really talk to him tonight. So, so did you have fun this past weekend? I did. We have a really bad echo. I don't know where it's coming from or uh, on the live feed. It's a bad echo. I don't. Yeah, know. I, know. I figured it out. I'm a yeah. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> It'll catch back up in a second. Okay. It should be better. I was like, I didn't push any button I wasn't no, supposed to push. That's my bad. Sorry, y'all. Uh, yeah, I unmuted the wrong. Yeah, yeah. We're we're caught up now. <laughs> we're we're caught up now. But no, I was just saying, I I do. I really think he has a lot to offer. I think he's incredibly intelligent, and I think he knows it. And I think uh, you're right. I think he's got a a, a bright feature. Yeah, he just knew what he wanted and ran for it. Mm-hmm. That's why I love it. No, so. it's super cool. Very yep. cool. And you survived Nashville, so that was good this whole weekend. 
I did. <laughs> I got her out of the house. A little y'all. bit of anxiety, but I made it. If we saw I had you guys fun. This it was weekend. good to see yeah, everybody. We had a great time. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw Chris Duffy over here commenting. It was great seeing you, meeting you this weekend. So, yeah. if you guys don't know what we're talking about, Jillian and I, we, we traveled down to Tennessee real quick this weekend and crashed the church choir party a little bit that they had in Lynchburg Saturday night. And Went and hung out with our friends and raised Rowdy on Sunday night uh, and another writer's round. So they got another one coming up the first weekend of May. We'll, I'll be back down for that. And I cannot wait. So I love getting down there and seeing everybody in Nashville. And if you guys are out, definitely check these these writer rounds out. They're really cool. They're, they're, they're amazing. If you've not been to Nashville and saw a stripped down writer's round yet, you need to see these things. They're just phenomenal. We're going to go Thank you guys for joining us tonight on episode 80 with Still Matthews. This is, sure is a 420 I won't forget. I really enjoyed our chat tonight and getting to learn about Still's journey, and I can't wait to see what he accomplishes in 2021. This guy is surely the limit for this guy, and I wish him nothing but the best. I mean, he works his ass off. So. The Gain and Fast on Memphis podcast with Aaron Shriver is brought to you by Arlo Revolution. As we close the book on another chapter, remember, music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. Next week, Aaron connects more melodies and memories with other fans and the artists they love. Thanks for being a part of this musical journey, and we'll see you next time on the Gain and Fast on Memphis podcast with Aaron Shriver.